Welcome to the It Works on My Computer podcast. Today, Roxana talks to David DeSanto, VP of Product at GitLab, about the fascinating results following the launch of GitLab's DevSecOps 2022 survey, the importance of security for engineers, and the future of machine learning and AI. Enjoy the show. So first, I want to thank you for joining, and I'll give you a bit of my background. I've co-founded Bunnyshell, a platform for uh, enabling de- uh, developers to increase their productivity in their teams. And I've gone through being 100 hands-on as a developer, to being a team lead, then to being a manager. And I think after four years, I'm now experiencing my role as a CTO because I've been in all the roles. Uh, for, for the company involved in all the teams. So I have a dev background, an ops background, and whatever background the, <laughs> the, the company needed, really. So this is a bit about myself. And tell us a bit about your history and your journey and where you are now. Yeah, sure. So I'll start with where I am now. I lead the product organization at GitLab. I'm VP of product. Our uh, Product organization includes product management, product monetization, and our product operations team. Um, I've been at GitLab, uh, actually it'll be three years this month. And uh, when I joined, definitely not as small as what you were just talking about with Bunny Shell, but we were sub a thousand. I think I was in the 700s or 800s and hires. And now we're a much larger company today. What brought me to GitLab is my passion for developer tools and how to help developers write more secure code. and. Um, up until uh, joining GitLab, I completely worked in the security industry. I started off as a researcher, moved into leading research teams, and eventually moved into product management of security products. And so uh, that, that's what brought me to GitLab is like, how do you shift security left effectively? And how do you help developers write more secure code? My experience is developers don't wake up in the morning and say, I want to write a vulnerability today, right? They want to write secure code, performing code. And that's one of our passions at GitLab is improving that developer experience. And that resonated with me. And that's why I came to GitLab. As I mentioned, prior to that, I led product organizations and threat research organizations for two of the largest security research firms in the world, uh, as well as worked at a leading test and measurement company named Spirant. So very uh, mixed background. Um, I think you and I have similar backgrounds starting as developers and working our way uh, through our, our career and landing us where we are today. So I'm super excited to talk about you. Um, I did check out Bunny Shell and I, it was all very exciting stuff. Thank you. And for me, it's an honor. <laughs> you can imagine. I mean, I, um, <laughs> I, I can even, I, I remember my first day. I mean, I remember my, my first comment and my first push. <laughs> and then I, I created my first GitLab account. So <laughs> it is a, truly an honor for me. So I'm really interested in how a day looks like you. So Describe your role as a VP of product and why, why it's unique in GitLab. Yeah, so I'd start off with one of the things that makes GitLab's product organization unique is we're all very technical. A lot of us came from being developers or being like ops engineers to come into the, into the product role. My day at GitLab is a mix of focusing on our strategy to seeing where we want to go next year, three years from now. Uh, partnering with our CEO on that. And of course, our very active community. Uh, that's one of the things I really enjoy about my job at GitLab is we have a very active open source community and a very active customer base who are a- always in, uh, interacting with us on our issues, on epics, 
phone calls, uh, our advisory boards, and so forth. The other part of my day is actually talking to users. I, it's one of the highlights of my day. I love to be able to talk to, whether it's an open source user about something they want to contribute to the product, whether it is they want to uh, talk to me about uh, they just purchased and they want to go feedback, or maybe it's just a, a check-in with them. Uh, and the last part of my day is really coaching and mentoring. It's a passion of mine. And so uh, I'm very proud to be leading an organization like GitLab that focuses on diversity and inclusion and how we can build future leaders. And so that, that's the last part of my day. That's a great answer. And you said that you are talking and getting feedback. And I guess, sorry, that's my dog. She wants to participate. Oh, uh, don't worry. My dogs will bark at some point, Roxana, because they, they, they try to protect the house <laughs> from the air. So... <laughs> And uh, developers do, they do like to, to, to give feedback. I mean, the greatest feedback I, I always receive is from developers. They really understand the need of feedback and both positive and negative, of course, and helping. And for GitLab, I guess that's uh, one of the most powerful things that you have a very strong development co community, which, which is a great reasons why uh, you have such a great roadmap and a lot of tools that are keep appearing in uh, in the GitLab ecosystem. So, so how does how how has GitLab's mission evolved since since you joined? Oh, so that's a great question. So, uh, I joined in 2019, and we were very much focused on building the one DevOps platform. And so, part of that was realizing what personas could work together in a unified UI off of a unified data model, and so. Um, I, I'm very proud to say that I, uh, over the last three years, we've really uh, seen that vision take hold. And we now uh, don't just have developers and ops engineers, but we have security analysts, security operators, uh, compliance team members, product marketing, product management, all working together. And I think the platform has really been able to grow that way from both the vision that we've set for ourselves and for the market, but also we use GitLab ourselves to do all of our work. And so our constant use of our own product is highlighting where areas where we can make it even better for new personas. Yeah, and I think it's great that a tool that first started for developers has become uh, to be a central tool for ops and now for SEC and now for even compliance. Even if you're going for a SOC 2 certificate, it's just going to ask you, how does your CICD look like? Is it secure? Are you adopting the best practices? So it's, it's amazing how it started for developers and reach out, uh, reached out to all the engineering team, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I would say that uh, because we release every 22nd, we're constantly iterating and that constant iteration is allowing us to deliver value, even if it's in small chunks every month. And so it sounds like you're very familiar with that and the rate at which we release new features and improve scalability and reliability. So that's making me smile, Roxana, because I love our product and I love when people love the product. <laughs> well, that's great. And let's go and now a question about security. How would you describe security collaboration and its importance in modern world of DevOps? I, I really think it kind of breaks into two parts. The first is you, you can't build software without thinking of security. And so that's why we focused on, on security as part of our platform. And we took the approach uh, that I mentioned a little bit at the beginning, like developers don't wake up in the morning and want to write a vulnerability. They don't go, yes, I want to introduce a zero-day vulnerability in my product today and get it compromised, right? They don't. And so our approach with security was how do we make it consumable 
for the developer? And how do we give it to them in ways that they can action on it? And so that collaboration to us is so key that we've spent time shifting security left, uh, actually embedding security training within the product. So the developer commits software and they say, introduce a SQL injection. They can actually click on a link and learn what a SQL injection actually is, how they can mitigate it. So they learn how to not do that in the future. Security is at that core as well on the, the security side. And so really what security compliance practitioners need is just visibility. We've had this big push of being able to not only just embed security and compliance requirements into CI, but put in controls that they can then monitor and make decisions on, uh, as well as give them the reports and the visibility they need to know that the company is building uh, secure and compliant software. I, the one thing that you may have seen in your career, and it's definitely been true for me, is that security has become everyone's responsibility. And so when you, at the first part of your question is like collaboration around it. And I think there, at times there's still some, I'll say friction there. It came up in our annual DevSecOps survey uh, that, you know, there's still that friction there, but it's getting better because when you bring everyone together and everyone's responsible and everyone can contribute, those relationships end up being better than they could have been had everyone work separately in their own silos. Yeah. So you mentioned that the GitLab DevSecOps uh, 2022 survey that launched earlier this week, right? And uh, it's a great way for seeing a picture of how the industry looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So it's totally recommended for all the engineering team, not only the managers, not only the leaders, but, uh, but the developers and all the team. So uh, I, I read the report, loved it, of course, and I read it every year. <laughs> and um, <laughs> let, let's discuss some major points. And since we already started with security and you said that, uh, yeah, of course, there is a tendency for a shift left for security in devs teams. And there mm -hmm. is a and it's still unclear to me in case of uh, responsibility. And it seems that it's pretty unclear for the developers themselves and ops because they, they do have different answers on who's responsible. Is it the dev? Is it the ops? Or is it the security team? Who's responsible? Yeah, so I think it's actually everyone. And I think that's what organizations are starting to realize. In the survey came out that developers are feeling more and more responsible for security and that ops said they have to wear all three hats to be able to do their jobs. And so I, I think that it, based off the trends and, and the uptick and people responding that they're responsible for, it shows that the entire industry and the DevOps movement as a whole is really showing that it's not really DevOps, it's DevSecOps, and everyone has that responsibility. And so, you know, the one thing that really changed was that collaboration we talked about. I think that's helping as well, that People are, are running into that friction less and less, and people are being able to work collaboratively, which is really good. Yeah. And this is exactly what DevOps uh, teaches us as a culture, a, a culture of collaboration between a team. So another uh, important statistic was the one regarding the test automation. So 47% of teams have full test automation and nearly double from last year, which is, which is huge, of course. And I've seen a lot of shift left for testing as well. So pushing mm -hmm. tests towards the early stages of software development. And they even talked with some businesses that opted to eliminate the ma any manual QA and go uh, to full automatic tests. So 
was that uh, uh, surprising at that point? And what do you think? Why do you think this, this abrupt increase happened this year? So I, I think there, the, that shift is driven by the need to deliver value faster. And the only way you can do that is automating. And that stat, I love that 47%. There, there is an additional stat that kind of resonated with me as well that was very similar. And that was uh, a higher percentage, 31% of teams are now using machine learning for code review. So on top of using it to build products, they're now using it for test automation, code review as a way to make that delivery faster. Um, a high percentage of teams also mentioned that they are deploying either multiple times a day, daily, or every couple of days. That was 70% of teams. That's up 11% from last year's survey. So that need to stay competitive and to deliver value, I think is really why automation is becoming big. Because you, you as a developer, as a now CTO, you know that like you can't have enough humans to make that happen. You need to start trusting automation and machine learning, those things that you can help uh, accelerate your delivery. And the possibility to have test automation is also because businesses are now and more and more, if not most of them now are using a DevOps platform. And I guess in the survey, it said that nearly three quarters of DevOps teams are using DevOps platforms uh, or plan to. So uh, it's not surprising at all. I mean, just taking into consideration the cost of building the, uh, such a tool in-house and maintaining it rather than using a platform for it. And, and there are so many, of course, flavors that, that are in the market available. So what about the, the other? I've, I've been, I'm a bit interested in the other, uh, in, in the other quarter. What are they using, if not? Because, I mean, when I started my career, I think that DevOps was a bit at the beginning. And now I'm... Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't encounter a lot of businesses that don't have a CICB in place, really. So what are the other uh, quarter using? Or have they built themselves a solution? Yeah, so the, there wasn't an exact answer to that in the survey, but I can talk about my experience in it. And I really what I think that remaining percentage are doing is the equivalent of like a DIY DevOps or do-it-yourself DevOps or selecting a bunch of smaller tools, trying to chain them together to give themselves the platform. And if you look at the results of the survey, it really actually speaks to that because it does say that 41% uh, of respondents are now using six to 10 tools and that that complexity is consuming more of their day, whether that is they spend somewhere between a quarter of their day to like almost half of their week trying to maintain that. So when you're talking about people who aren't using a DevOps platform, and I, I will I'd be a bad product leader, Roxanne, if I didn't say, and GitLab, GitLab is the one DevOps platform, right? Um, you're now just trying to stitch things together with like digital duct tape. And I think that's where you see that other percentage landing and, and that frustration they have with having to maintain a bunch of tools now to try to get, get their jobs done. And there, in the survey, it had this comment about developers feeling like they have to maintain that all themselves. And that's kind of the downfall of not using a DevOps platform. You now have turned your team members from what they're really good at and what you want them to do to becoming like jacks of all trade and trying to be their own IT team to try to keep their software delivery happening. Yeah, yeah. And there was a point addressing this uh, frustration with too many tools available, too many tools to, to stitch 
and also have uh, security in mind when doing that because if you're using a lot of tools, I mean, there are vulnerabilities. They can, some, some of them, if they're maintained, they're not patched, they're not updated. So you can get into trouble. And in my experience in the DevOps field, the DevOps landscape surrounds everything from the development life cycle to the production. So it's very normal that you'll be doing research on hundreds of things. You'll be using tens mm-hmm. of tools and you'll be migrating to other tens of tools every, every two, three years. This is what I saw uh, in the business. So it's pretty normal to feel uh, this frustration. But right now, I mean, and it's very improbable that you'll find a solution that encapsulates everything that DevOps stands for, including everything related to observability and everything. So I think at this point that we're in, there is no really such solution that is like everything. And it's not necessarily that, that the answer lies there in the way one single app. What do you think about yeah. that? So yeah, so I see the that trend of people moving from uh, a bunch of tools to a single application. It's been part of GitLab's charter uh, since 2015 when we realized we should take our, our SEM product and our CI product and bring them together. And so that trend in the industry is not just what GitLab has been pioneering, but you're seeing other organizations and products start to do things that are very similar. And it really comes down to why a single application. It's not about saving money. It's not always about like finding some way to have less infrastructure or less tools. It's about collaboration, visibility, everyone working together. And that's why GitLab has had our success is built on the fact that we believe everyone can contribute. And the best way to do that is work from a unified data model and work from a single UI. And what, we, what we're seeing, and you can see this in some of the DevSecOps surveys, as well as some of the uh, analyst reports that we've released on our website, uh, that we are being recognized as a best-in-class product. And so you can actually have a best-of-class product and a single DevOps platform. And when you do that, you then get all those benefits that we, we were talking about earlier, faster to delivery, more secure code, better team engagement, overall happiness across the entire organization. And that's a really powerful thing when you think about it, that you can actually have everyone work side by side, regardless of where they are in the world, to deliver the value you want to as a company. Yep. Yeah. Happy developers is the first key to increasing productivity, right? Happy developers and happy security people and happy ops people. But yeah, uh, <laughs> developers are the beginning of that, right? They commit the code first. So if you don't give them a, a first class, best in class experience, it doesn't. It, it's going to be harder to get the other stuff after that to be successful. Well, I've learned that making developers happy is possible. I don't know about the security team. If I think it's their job to be a bit unhappy, really. <laughs> Well, I, I will tell you, as a, as a former security practitioner, a full-time one, you can make us very happy <laughs> and you make us very happy by partnering with us and working with us and not necessarily uh, choosing to ignore us, right? And so um, that's, again, where that value of collaboration comes in, because if they're involved early and often, they don't feel blindsided by things that end up in production. Exactly. Which, as a side note for you, just to to tell you how much I, I'm a security person at heart. This is my mug today, and it's our logo done as a security logo. <laughs> it's my favorite mug, and it reminds me that security is important. 
<laughs> okay. So um, let's go a bit uh, to, uh, to the survey again. So what did you think were the most surprising data points about, uh, about uh, the results? So there are a couple of surprising things uh, for me, Roxana, in the survey. The first one that really jumps out is the adoption of model ops and the increase in that year over year. It actually more than doubled it, and that was highlighted in the survey. Um, for those who aren't familiar with model ops, it's broken into two parts. It's the data ops or your uh, ELT, your extract, load, and transform that you would do on disparate data. And ML ops or machine learning ops, where you're taking machine learning models and productizing them and pushing them in to your product, uh, production environment. And so the, the survey takers, 62% of them said they're already practicing model ops today, which is a staggering concept to realize like how much software development has changed in just a short amount of time. Um, the, the other stat that really jumped out to me was that amount of people using multiple tools and that fact that 41% said they're using between six and 10 tools. Um, those things together were really surprising to me because we all talk about machine learning and how it can benefit us, but people actually doing it today at that level it is a big change. And I'm excited to see where that's going. Uh, we launched our model ops offering last year. Um, it is one of the faster growing things being adopted. And so knowing that what we're doing to help developers out, as we talk about making developers happy, um, we're seeing that. And then of, of course, in the amount of tools that are being used to your comment earlier, I, I don't know if I would say it's every two or three years people switch tools. Some organizations switch them more frequently than that. And that churn of tool is really hard on developers. And so seeing that number that high tells me there's a definite need for DevOps platforms and trying to help people, to your point earlier, like be happy at what they do and not be frustrated not because they, they can't do their assignment or their development project, but they have to figure out how to use these tools and manage those tools. And that, that's a clear thing that I, I think really resonated for me when reading it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in regards to tools, what I found out that when you introduce a new tool or when you change a new tool, uh, it's not that as easy to gain all the adoption and all the business and all the teams. I mean, it can be frustrating for them because they, they already have experience with what they're using. They have a style and you're coming and, you know, as a manager, sometimes you have to take decisions. We're going to migrate to something else. And uh, maybe, maybe some, that decision is not making them happy at that uh, particular moment, um, such as, for example, changing, changing, changing the CI or adding more tests to it or changing the, the strategy. But, um, I guess with Banishell, we also had, you know, a lot of discussions related to that when we constructed it so that we're not forcing a new, a new product, a new style, a new UI, a new, uh, for the developers, we're giving them the tools that they're already uh, used to it, integrated with the existing CICD, not come with an alternative that requires, okay, let's shift what we've done in the three years again, or two years or more frequently, as you said. So I know, um. I, I know that's really important to listen to, to developers and, and, and what they like. So uh, now that you said what, what were the statistics that were more surprising, what about the ones that significantly changed from opposed to last year? Yeah, so there were a couple that were really big jumps. We talked about uh, one of them earlier, 
the increase of machine learning for code review was a big jump. Um, we also saw a decent jump in that, how, how often people are deploying. That's, again, at 70%. And so I, I think really the, the takeaways that I had were how fast is the world really changing, right? If we're talking about numbers jumping at the height they're jumping at, that shows that people are really trying to address that ability to deliver value. And so whether it's those numbers jumping up, the using of MLAI more than doubled, like it is just, it's one of those things where you can see, and, and I'll use like a moving, moving at the speed of value, right? And so reading that survey, it breaks into those, to your question, the stats, but the need for collaboration to be able to do that because your tools can get you so far. You really need to have uh, engagement to your point, developer happiness. I would say second ops happiness as well, right? We getting people to work close together. And so those numbers that are growing and are growing at a fast rate, again, like the code review, the use of MLAI, how frequently people are deploying shows that the industry is moving faster and faster. And it's more important to be able to get people on tools that they can they can do that at that rate. Yep, are switching incredibly fast. I mean, remember, <laughs> I remember at the, the start where trying to convince developers, you know, you you don't don't work on your local computer. It's not similar to production. And then at first it was vagrant. Then we dockerized it, and then we're pushing the dockers mm-hmm. doing remote. We're doing hybrid. Re- continuous delivery and then really hybrid remote development or a remote development. And now I see solutions in which we automatically span up new Kubernetes clusters and deploy something there, not even sharing the Kubernetes. We're doing fleets of Kubernetes clusters just for developing it. It's a nice way to see how fast, how fast this changes and how much power the developers gain and that they work together with the ops and the security teams. So I think it's a, it, it, it's a large improvement and uh, I'm very curious to see uh, what's next. So what do you think in that term? I mean, if you were to guess how, what, what changes you're seeing in, in a year or two and, or how the maybe development life cycle or how the collaboration with the security teams will look like, what would you predict? Yeah. Uh, so part of my prediction is going to be an add on to what you were just saying. So I, that whole shift that you're talking about, whether it was from my laptop to a central source from that central source to CI, the thing that I think is also driving a lot of this is like infrastructure as code and the ability for developers to define an environment. And in the case of like GitLab with a YAML file and then have the systems upstream, be able to build that environment for them whether that's their developer environment, whether that's what's going into production, right? Because that that allows you to go from, I deploy once a quarter to I deploy once every couple of minutes. And so to your question, like, what do I see? Um, the first thing I would call out is that I expect to see that test automation number continue to grow. Uh, it nearly doubled this year over last year's survey to 47%. You and I talked about that a little bit already. I expect we'll see that continue to happen. I think you're going to see the time to release continue to uh, increase as well. 70% of teams this year said that they release uh, once a day or a few times a week. And so that's up 11%. I expect to see that continue to grow. And I would say 
another thing is this tool consolidation you and I have been talking about. You know, uh, seven out of every 10 res respondents said they would like to see their tool chain consolidated. I expect you're going to continue to see that as well. There's also some really great statistics from other uh, research papers like this that talk about, you know, 60% of organizations will be on DevOps platforms in three years. And so I definitely see that as a continued trend. And then the last one, I think we'll see the beginning of reduction in the blaming of who's responsible for vulnerabilities. Uh, as we talked about it a little bit ago, there's talking about that getting, it's getting better, um, but 75% of security professionals said vulnerabilities could be attributed to developers. And so we, we as a company like GitLab and you from what I know about Bunny Shell, right? We want to help. So those things are found early, fully shifted left, maybe even shifted into the planning stage before there's even a line of code written. And then your developers understand security better and that continues to make the relationship better. And so based off what I've read in the survey, like those are the things that really resonated with me. Um, you mentioned that, you know, you read it as well and you liked it. What, were there any other stats that I didn't touch on that you found uh, very interesting? Well, um, first, I, I have to, uh, one of the things that I was a bit, a bit surprised, really, I mean, 47% of, uh, of DevOps, uh, DevOps methodology. This is one stat that it was a bit, uh, I didn't, uh, it took me by surprise a bit, you know, because I think that even if, you know, we're today, there are a lot of things about what DevOps really need. I mean, if you talk with different people, you will get different things. If is DevOps a role, is it a culture, is it a type of forming a team, or is it a methodology? So I've spoke with, with, with some people and they have different, uh, different definitions. So if you can also expand a bit on, on what DevSecOps methodology means, really. Yeah, so DevSecOps methodology really has become a thing because it's about you can't do DevOps without security, and security has to have an equal seat at the seat at the table. So when you think about a DevSecOps methodology, it's really about shifting security left, finding things earlier in development. Uh, there, there's a cost to when you find a vulnerability, and the, that DevSecOps workflow is really about how do I find it at the time of code writing, and not what traditionally used to happen, which is code would move into production. And then the security team would test it in production. And obviously there's a huge cost difference between those two. If you're finding in production, you're, you're already vulnerable. And it's about how quickly can you identify and address before someone else finds it. Whereas if you're doing it at code commit time, before code's even merged, you're now fixing it at the cost of just the developer's time and not at the cost of the exposure you've now had in production. And so, we really see the lines, and this came out in the survey, that DevOps and DevSecOps are really blending. And it's really going to be, over the next course of years, like only talked about as DevSecOps. And GitLab, that's been a focus of ours. I mentioned in 2019 when I joined that, that's what I joined to do. And so I definitely see more and more companies embracing it. And that also came out in that survey. Uh, there was a nice percentage of users who are now seeing themselves as responsible. And the, the stat that was interesting was like for the third year in a row, developers are seeing that they are responsible for that, dev, that DevOps practice that we're talking about. 
but also now more ops and security feel like they're part of that. And that's why that DevSecOps workflow, to your question, I think went up really high in the survey. In that, the one thing that really ties to that is that's really separating the other types of things that people talk about, like Agile and Kanban, and that that DevOps mindset that you referred to earlier is becoming the standard. And I think that's going to become that DevSecOps standard with the importance of security. Yes. So I think we've touched the main points of the survey, and I do recommend everybody read them. I mean, there's also, there's a lot, also a lot of statistics that weren't discussed here, such as the distribution of uh, who's using microservices, who's using Kubernetes, who's planning to. So a lot of nice uh, statistics that you, uh, you might enjoy. So please do go and, and uh, download the survey. And let's go a bit and discuss about um, some... Uh, some questions about productivity, because uh, this is also what both GitLab and Vanessa do, right? We're increasing productivity in teams. So even though we're discussing about AI and machine learning and development processes, there are still some questions that shouldn't exist or some sentences that shouldn't exist so fast. It works on my computer. We will still hear it. We'll still hear that one. And it's as lovely as... It was when we first uh, heard it, right? Uh, so right. Uh, what, what do we have to do so that developers never have to worry about it? I never have to say it works on my computer again. Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think some of the topics we touched on around machine learning fall into this too. So before directly addressing that developer question, I would just pose that like the continued push of data science and and model ops that it works on my computer is happening more and more there because they're build training models and then they hand it over to development and they go i don't know why this isn't working it worked for me right and so i think really to address that problem is really helping data science teams embrace devops and then to kind of then pivot back to your question I think we really need to focus on shared development environments and making it so developers aren't necessarily only seeing how something works on their laptop. Yeah. Uh, you touched on this a little bit ago. The use of Kubernetes is a great way to do that. We at GitLab are focusing on building out remote development environments that could be shareable. So that way a developer is working on something that they then, if they run into a problem, they don't say, well, can you hop on a Zoom or the Slack call with me and like help me troubleshoot? They can literally say, let me add you to my environment and you can help me out. And then doing that puts their development environment right where production sits, obviously separated by security policies and things like that. But it takes it away from the, it's on my laptop and I don't know why it's different to here's a tried and true. And you mentioned this earlier with like vagrant images, like okay. here's this tried and true environment that everyone's working from and I can share it to get easy help. And I think yep. that's really going to drive that it works on my computer problem to be even lower for developers. And then by extension, those data science professionals I was mentioning as well, because I do think I love the name of your, your podcast because it resonated with me as a former developer, former security person, right? And now leading product for GitLab. I think that is the goal is to make it so no one feels that way. And you can do that with DevOps, for sure. Sure. Yeah, that's a great answer. And as for um, increasing productivity and increasing overall happiness, and both developers often, even security deals, 
Can you say that's possible? What do you think it's one step that all engineering managers should take to, 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 to do that, to, to increase both productivity and uh, make, make, make life easier for the team? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I love it. So I, what I would say is the big thing that IT leaders or engineering leaders can be doing is really trying to standardize the tool chain. The DevOps movement included people selecting their own tools for a while. And then you had teams on one tool, teams on a different tool. And what ends up happening is if a developer switches teams, they're feeling like they're back at, at you know ground zero, having to relearn that environment and that tool. And what if it's different or things are in the same place? And you use CI as a great example of that. If you look at different CI products, they all do CI differently. And now you're essentially making everyone become an expert in everything that they need to touch. And that jumped down the survey in that happiness measurement um, about needing to get to a DevOps platform. And so I think that's the number one thing teams can do uh, and leaders can do. And all of, uh, I, I know I look like I'm 23. I'm a little bit older than that. Um, it's a nice little joke about all the gray hair in my beard. Uh, but, you know, uh, thinking back over my career and the things that caused me heartache as a developer or as an engineering manager, or engineering director, and then looking at our users uh, that we, as I mentioned at the beginning, talk to all the time. It's so unique. GitLab's user base is so engaged and it's so awesome um, that that's really the thing. It's like, I don't want to have to be an expert in all of these things. I just want it to work. And yep. so if you standardize your tool chain, you begin to get to that team member engagement you're asking about and their satisfaction. Yep. And you can see that in people who have adopted DevOps platforms. Yeah, that, that, I think that's the real empowerment because you give uh, with, with, with this kind of tool, with this kind of platform, you really give uh, the possibility of developers, I'm going to talk about them more because I interact more with them to build their environments, to have all the dependencies that they need to work remotely correctly. I mean, before it was easier with Mondalus, it was easier to work, but with microservices, nothing is intuitive anymore. Really? I mean, you can't rely on intuition. You have hundreds of them. You can't even hold them on your, on your laptop without searing the fan. So if, and if you're not doing CI, if you're not in a continuous delivery process, then it, it becomes impossible. And it's not only about the application, it's also about the infrastructure and all the policies that you have to go. So I think that we've taken a great step already and the tools that exist and the adoption and the culture of, of uh, giving power to, uh, to the teams to, to do their job properly without being bottlenecks. And uh, for that, uh, David, I, I thank you, Esther, because you're part of GitLab and uh, GitLab is making that possible. No, oh, thank you. Yeah. And, and I, I totally agree with everything you said about microservices, too. I think, you know, DevOps platforms, good documentation, you know, using things, it goes a long way to improving that. But you're right. You made the comment about fans spinning up. And um, I enjoy the fact I don't have to do that anymore. I just leverage a Kubernetes cluster because you're right. Uh, your laptop begins, uh, fans are going so fast, the laptop shakes on your desk, right? And so definitely see the value of addressing that as well. Okay. So I think that's it, David. Thank you very much for participating. It was a real pleasure. And I hope we'll also talk again in another podcast. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would love to come back and talk to you more. I've enjoyed our conversation. I, I love the fact we have very similar passions and, and I just really, really enjoyed the time, Roxana. So thank you for inviting me.